Hey guys, John Faulkner here with Modern Alpha Life. And in episode four, I sit down with my good buddy, Chris Weatherman, AKA Angry American, and talk about his book series, Going Home, the Survivalist series, and talk about firearms in the prepping community. So hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it. Hey folks, welcome back to episode four of Modern Alpha Life. And today I have a lifelong friend with me here, uh, a man that I've spent too many miles on the road with, too many nights in the woods with, yeah. and uh, just done too many things with. So uh, today, the author, the great man himself, we have Chris Weatherman. That's right. How That's are you today, sir? I'm good, man. How the hell are you doing? Fantastic. We ain't done this in a while. You guys don't know, but we used to do this a lot right here. Yeah, yeah. We used to get into studio quite a bit and, yeah. uh, and make videos and, you know... We're working on some things to bring it back, but you know, today we're going to talk about Chris. Um, goes under the author name Angry American. If you're, yep. if you haven't heard of his books, you should. Uh, the Survivalist series, a phenomenal series. Book Eleven, Engineering Home, yep. uh, is now. out right now yep. and doing phenomenal. Doing very well. Tell me some of the stats. So it hit eighty uh, overall on Audible for the audio right. book, like top. 100 yeah and it was number i know it's hit number two in post apoc i think it hit number one but i just didn't see it right so but it's it's doing well it's doing very well it's selling great and everybody's happy now they just want book 12. so so when you know how big audible is to be in the top 100 is a ridiculously huge accomplishment yes, yes that's is. huge yeah and uh book 11 is fantastic uh i mean to truly understand everything you gotta go back to book one you, you should read the whole series it's a phenomenal series um so people tell me that that i've 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 read all of them. I know you have. And unlike Nikki, I read them. I don't listen to them and tell people I read them. I've got headphones on. <laughs> I'm actually listening to his audio <laughs> <laughs> So as always, we got Nikki here behind the camera. What's so up, you know, you'll hear him pipe in as well. Um, so Chris, tell us a little bit for those that don't know you. How because it is a phenomenal story, and it's a story like many people that I just I love to hear because. You know, being the entrepreneur and the businessman, people are just like, I don't know how to start something. Yeah. And so how did you actually get into, quote unquote, becoming an author and getting to a book 11 plus other books? There's 22 titles now. Right. So so how did it start? Well, unlike you, I I don't have the gift of planning and organization. I just have a pretty face. So it happened... Like I said, unlike you, yeah. I don't have the gift of organization right. and planning. Uh, <laughs> but so it happened by accident. I, you know, I had no no plan to become an author, or become a writer. And, and John knows this story well. But I wrote Going Home, the first book in the series, on an internet form for my own entertainment. Um, I worked on the road. I spent a lot of time in hotels, and um, so I've uh, I've been a in the survival realm for over thirty years. I started off with. Um, primitive skills, stone age stuff. And then working my way up into what I call modern prepping is where we actually plan ahead and we have some gear and some kit with us. So we're not out there trying to, you know, crack rocks and stuff. Um, but I started, I wrote, uh, I was on a forum, a survival forum, and they had a fiction section where people wrote stories and I was reading them and I was like, you know, these are all kind of cool, but they're missing something for me. And I went, what the hell? I'll write one. It was 1130 at night. I remember it clear as day, 1130 at night. I'm sitting in the living room. Everybody's in bed. I got a bottle of Jack Daniels or nothing. Jack Daniels. Ugh, that's awful. No, don't drink that Tennessee stuff. Uh, Jim Beam. I was drinking some Jim Beam and Cokes sitting in there on my computer. And I went, you know, I'll write one. That was all the thought that went into it. And I was like, well, I'll do it on EMP, make it as bad as it can be. And I just started. Mm -hmm. And um, I wrote the first piece that night, probably like 5,000 words, a big chunk, you know. 
couple hours of writing, posted it, went to bed, didn't think nothing about it. Next day I'm driving to work. I take my Blackberry out to give you. That's right. To give you an idea how long ago this was. So over 10 years. Did you pull your stylus out? (laughs) No, I didn't use my stylus. Thank you. I didn't have my Palm Trio with me. (laughs) But uh, I'm sitting at a red light and I pull the forum up and look and there's like dozens and dozens and dozens of replies. People were immediately into it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And that interaction, that was the coolest thing about writing like that was I got to read the comments and I always knew what people thought. Right. Was what they thought was happening in the story. And I would always just be like, yeah, that's not happening. You know, left turn, Clyde. And um, and just that interaction, it was amazing. And it was that community, you know, when I finished it, it had 2 million views online. And, and a lot of people were telling me to publish it. And I was like, I'm not going to publish this. I'm a writer. Nobody's going to pay money for this garbage. I said, here, I'll write you guys another one. But And I wrote the second book of the series on the same forum. But during the writing of the second one, one of my friends posted my PayPal account. And he's like, send him money. We'll make him do it. And people did. And so then I felt obligated. I still was not taking it serious at this point. So I was like, all right, look, I'll get this made into a book so you guys can get your copies if you'll just shut up and leave me alone. I just didn't think it was going to be a thing. Um, But in that process, it ends up on Amazon. The first month it's on Amazon, it makes like a quarter of my annual salary. That got my attention. I realized there was something there. And as bad as that first edition was, it still made that much money because it was a horribly edited book, which editing is improving. So um, it's a work in progress. But... um, couple weeks later penguin books calls makes an offer i turn them down um they call a couple weeks later make another offer that i couldn't turn down so i took that one and with them we did the first five books two of those hit the usa today bestsellers list um and then i left them and now i just self-published my own books um and so yeah we're 11 books in on this series we've got charlie's requiem we've got cry havoc we've got uh decline of decay that i did with alan Kay. Nonfiction book for if you're thinking about getting into prepping and stuff that's a good primer yep. to start with but yeah i had no no idea no intention but it, it changed my life doing that Just sitting there that night in the living room right when i started that that moment changed my life and it's weird when you look back you can see it now but then i had no clue that's mm-hmm. what was going to happen but it was it's huge what it did yeah so and and you know and i will tell you guys uh chris has taken a lot of his personal uh experiences information knowledge and sprinkles it yeah I like, I like to call the books faction. So they're fiction, but they're based on facts. So, yeah. and, and the reason that a lot of that's in there is when I was writing on that forum, people would ask questions. What would you use for this? What would you do for that? And well, if instead you didn't of, have this or that. Instead of just giving them an answer, I would weave that stuff into the story. So that's why like, the first book is very gear heavy. It mentions a lot of pieces of kit and stuff. Because I was answering people's questions. Um, I just thought it was more fun to do it that way than to just say, oh, I'd use this. Right. You know? Um, and so I still, I continue that to this day. I find ways to, to solve problems. Like in, in, you know, engineering home, they're doing in, serious engineering projects. And that continues through book 12. Like we're going to take an old water wheel that's in a state park or a national park in the area and, and turn it into a generator. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there and turning. Right. So we're going to now go through how you can make that happen. Um, because I've got a big background in electrical work, so I understand all that stuff. But um, so anytime I can weave things in like that, how solutions to problems that that we would encounter in like a grid down sort of a long term kind of a catastrophe, things you can do to make your life a little easier. Because it's always going to be rough, right? So any little hack or something that we could do to make life easier, that's what I'm always looking for. Yeah, and that's that's what I always loved about Chris's books. They were always entertaining. But as you read, you could actually pick little tidbits of information and knowledge and, oh, okay, I, I could see how that could work or, could, yep. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that was what I always found 
um, the 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 factual side yeah. of it, the realistic side of it that that I had I really liked um, because it wasn't just a oh it's like a cute bedtime story. Well, know? and the the difference too with the books that I write, you know, I'm not just trying to toot my horn, but I am a little bit. Is the difference between me and the other authors in this genre is I actually live this lifestyle, right? You know, the preparedness lifestyle. Uh, you know, I consider myself a survivalist. You can drop me in the woods and I can make it with nothing. We've done it. Yeah. We've got video proof. Um, but I've, I've been in that lifestyle for a long time. I still live that way. So this isn't, I'm not, I don't have to watch YouTube videos to learn this shit. Yeah. It, it's um, I, stuff I pick up along the way, try things. Oh, that works. That doesn't work. All right, moving on to this, you know, which is why like, you know, your closet's full of kit and gear and stuff. And you right. got mountains. Just, we all do. It's a, it's a constantly evolving thing, you know? Um, but we try to take the things that we learn from doing that and put out there in books or videos yeah. that we do so that you guys don't have to learn all those lessons the hard, the hard way. way. Yeah. yeah. Or the expensive way. Yeah. And, you know, um, the reason why I wanted Chris to come on, because we're always talking on the phone. We're, oh, we're yeah. together once or twice at least a month. At and we're always time. talking about, you know, current times, current events, things that are happening um, and, and how to quasi predict and prepare. Yeah. Um, and And... Can you predict the end of the world? No. If nope. you could, that's the way that you would prepare for it, and and you would last it for the most part, you know. But well, but we have no clue exactly mm -hmm. what's going to come. Um, but you know, working in in the firearms industry that I do, and uh, Chris is is big into firearms and training and yep. and things like that. We thought you know today we would um, talk about prepping in the sense of firearms. Yep. And and some of the mistakes that we've made, some of the things that we've seen um, because of being kind of in this realm like we are, we see so many other people and mm -hmm. their thoughts and their questions and, you know, oh, should I do this or get that? Or, yeah. or they, they send us pictures of, of what they have and it's like, oof. Yeah, oof. I did a, yeah, I, I did a, an evaluation on a guy's bag not too long ago and I was just blown away. And this is an experienced guy. This isn't some newbie to it, but... The stuff he was carrying was insane. Yeah. Like he didn't have any shelter in there, but he had like 14 different kinds of cordage of various varieties of weird stuff and um, and like a like a crowbar and like all kinds of weird stuff. And I was just like, and, it, and, and his ruck had to weigh 70 pounds. Right. If it weighed an ounce and no food, no water. In it. Well, there was some food, but there's no water in it. So um, it, it amazes me sometimes. Yeah. And, and that comes from, in my, in my opinion, that comes from people not putting that thing on and going and living with it for a couple of days in the woods. Yeah. That's your ultimate test. You know, you're going to build this bag that you think that you're going to someday may save your life. And it lives in the trunk of your car and you never do anything with it, except right. maybe take it out while you're watching YouTube videos and eating right. Cheetos and, and yeah. touch everything. And, and, you know, and it's one of those things where, um, you know, let's start with, let's start with the firearms themselves. Yeah. We'll start there then we'll go to accessories sure. and we'll go to, to the accoutrements. Accoutrements. Um, so, you know, what, what I've seen with a lot of rifles is um, they're just never ready. No. You'll have a guy send me, he's like, I've got 12 ARs. They're yeah. ready to rock and roll. Three have slings. Mm -hmm. Two have sights. One of those sights, the battery's dead in it. Yeah. One has a flashlight. Yeah. Or they got on, a, they on, got the, wrong, on the wrong side. Yeah, I got a front, I got a post, yeah. but no rear sight. And, and none of them are zeroed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And none of them have been, like, put to the test. Right. You know, and I, and I tell people all the time, I mean, they'll be like, oh, I wish I could afford an optic like that. I'm like, you can. Yeah. Sell six of the rifles that you have, and you can get everything to outfit the other three that you have. Yeah. 
and they'd be ready to go. And by outfitted, I mean a sling, a light, and an optic. Yes. A a end of story. Yep. Well, and, and white lights, I'm, I'm of two minds on, all right? So for, for white lights, if I'm in the field, if I'm in the woods, I'm not going to have a white light on my weapon. Just I don't want an ND in that, in that sure. regard. So you know, a white light negligent, negligent discharge can be just as bad as a weapon discharge in a, in a serious situation. You're just, hey, here I am. Um, now, in an urban environment, I absolutely want a white light. Yeah. I absolutely. But, and I have nods and stuff, too, but still that white light is, is my opinion, critical. But one of the things I recommend is people make or buy a black cap yep. that you can cover that thing with so you know it won't end deep. Yep. So, at, where, at, at least a piece of duct tape or yeah, something. Yeah, something. Just, you can make it out of cardboard and duct tape, yeah. you know, but something to cover that thing so you don't end it. Um, but, yeah, optic for sure, hands down, and a sling. And it amazes me the people that don't have slings for weapons. Yeah. Um, They're like, I'm going to carry it. It's because you haven't walked with a rifle you haven't walked with one you haven't tried to do mundane tasks you know if you're if we're talking about we're, we're carrying these things for security yeah. because something's going on um how do you plan to do anything when you got to hold a rifle right you, you better have a sling because what are you gonna do you're gonna set your rifle down now oh that's a bad idea yeah you know so you really need to have a sling and then you now they're gonna have their buddy hold it so that two guys aren't ready to rock <laughs> exactly. and roll if something yeah. happens they're holding my rifle yeah <laughs> but yeah, you got to be, like you said, you got to be ready, you know, and that means having the magazines, enough magazines. Magazines are a consumable thing, you know, having a, a quality optic, having spare batteries for your optics, yeah. you know, you got to be, or optics that don't require batteries, you know, so, because I run both, you know, I run right now on my, um, the 13.7 I have, I'm running a ACOG on it, you know, I want a variable like a one to eight or a mm -hmm. zero to six, something like that's what I really want. But right now I'm running the ACOG, so it'll get the job done. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's one of those things where, um, I see a lot of guys, they've watched or seen or listened or heard too much or taken too much opinion. And instead of just taking their situation, you know, here in Florida, um, like we'd have guys come to the gun shop and they're like, I need a new hunting scope. It's like, okay, what did you think? And they're like, like a five to 25. And I'm like, dude, where, where do you hunt that you would need a 25 power in Florida? Yeah. Where are you, where are you like, making a one click the, shot at? The longest, the longest like area we have with no trees is maybe 75 yards. Yeah. You know, unless you're on a but, power line right away and you're shooting across guys, the county, you know, but guys start to, to play the like, Oh, you know, LPVOs. Uh, listen, I love low power variable optics. They work great. Um, but if you're planning on trying to use them as like a passive optic with night vision, they're, they're not good No, because you don't have any space. So, you know, so then guys figure out, oh, am I going to put a red dot on top or on the side? And, and what they're trying to do is, is fit into what somebody else's world started. And, right. and then they're trying to make it fit into their room or they don't have the exact same, um, kit or, you know, whatever it might be. They have half of it. So therefore it doesn't work. I see that being a huge problem and it ends up with like it's kind of a hodgepodge rifle that you don't know what you're doing with it well it, it, what i would say is it boils down to a lack of experiential frame of reference yes so they're watching videos and seeing what other people are doing instead of going out with their weapon and getting on the range and i don't mean a static square range where you're standing there just shooting the paper move around do stuff do some barricade work figure out what you need to do yeah. 
for your rifle to do what you need it to do. Because it's like people ask you, oh, what do I need to put my, my bug up? I'm, I have no idea what you need to put in your bag. Right. I don't know your skill set. I don't live where you live probably. I don't know what your needs are, your personal needs, all that stuff. I can tell you the things you need to be able to do with your bag, yep. but not what to put it. The same goes for your weapon. You know, my weapon setup is not going to be your weapon setup, you know, and it's not going to be Nikki's. You right. know? We're all going to be a little bit different. We have different preferences and stuff. So, um, but the only way you learn that is to go out and, and get on the trigger. Yeah. You know, in the field, actually moving with that weapon. Like you live with that thing for a day. Like one point slings look cool until you got to spend a day doing other tasks while maintaining retention of that weapon. Yeah. Then you're going to figure out real fast how bad one point slings suck. It dingles a little bit. Every time you bend over, muzzle in the dirt, tink, you know, I mean, and uh, yeah, beating your shins or yeah. knees or whatever, you know, and, um, so you got to get out and, and learn, yeah. you know, and watch the videos and stuff and take ideas, but then take those things and try them. Don't just say, oh, well, that's what, you know, so-and-so's run. Tim Kennedy does this. That's what I'm going to do. Well, Tim Kennedy's a Navy SEAL. Who's Ranger. Ranger. Excuse yeah. me. Sorry, Ranger. Yeah. yeah. My bad. Ranger. Greenberry? I thought he... Greenberry. Greenberry? Is he Greenberry? Yeah. So he's a group guy? Okay. Um, so he's a group guy uh, that, that goes out and does this for real. But you, the, even those guys don't do what civilians would be doing if we're carrying long guns right they're doing a direct action they're going to get flown in on a helicopter or something dropped off they're going to make a hit and they're going to get out of there they're they're not living with that weapon either you know uh, unless they're on a like a recon thing where they're yep. they're sneaking and peeking yep. laying in a hide that's that's different but again you got to go out and do these things to figure out what you need to have with you to accomplish that mission right you know so um and the only way you can do it is to Put the dirt time in and, and get in the suck. Yeah. You know, I hate to train. I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you. I hate getting out on the range and doing barricade work and doing all that stuff because it's hot and miserable and, and, and you and you figure out quick where you're lacking in your personal skill set. And a lot of us don't want to do that. We don't want to go out and get embarrassed on the range. Right. Well, it's better to be embarrassed on the range than when it comes down to a real gunfight. I watched a, I watched a, I think it was a Houston cop. They got into a running gun battle on the street with this guy and several cops, and they're all shooting at this dude. None of them ever hit him. He hit one of the cops. The bad guy hits one of the cops. Mm -hmm. But I watched one of the officers pull his Glock out, and he starts shooting. I watch him shoot, and I see the mag fall out. Slide lock. Changes his mag. He starts shooting again. Bang, bang. Mag falls out. Slide lock. Or not slide lock, but, but he's out of it. So then he, then he has to take cover because now he's taking fire. He's got two partial mags laying in the street. He's down to his last mag. He comes around the corner and just does a mag dump down a city street. Cars, people, houses. Right. Just does a mag dump. And then he's got to break cover and run out there and try to recover those two mags. So that's a guy that needs to spend more time on the range. He's got something wrong with his grip. If he's hitting his mag release that hard yeah. with his grip, he needs to work on that. And and that's a police officer who, that could cost him his life. It's little things like that. It's better to learn that in training mm -hmm. than to learn that in that moment. Yeah, in that moment. Know? So that, that tells me that guy's not spending enough time on the range. He's just not practicing enough. Right. And we can all get better. I'm no super high-speed guy. John, you've taken a lot of training. I've taken a lot of training. And I trained home. We were on our range last night for just a little bit before it started to rain. But Mel was running her, the 9-millimeter carbine, um, and, and shooting great with it. But we have to practice. You know, you, you got And it costs money. you got to buy ammo. But, again, it's better to learn these lessons now when you don't have to bleed. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's a great segue there, Chris. Let's talk about ammo. Let's talk about ammo. You know, um, in, in the survival community, I, I don't know which uh, survival philosopher came up with the uh, thousand rounds yeah, per, per rifle. rifle. Yeah. It, it's, it's a number that 
I think a lot of people, it's it's a decent number to to try to to achieve. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, with with ammo scarcity of the the last year or so, and 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 higher prices, you know, you can see it as a as a goal and something that was uh, harder to attain than it was in in the past. Yeah. But but you know, I I see so many guys that they're like, you know, oh, I'm working on getting a thousand rounds of 38 special for my wheel, and it's like, dude, are you going to are you gonna? That's that's probably your like sixth or seventh weapon yeah. that you would go for. Yeah, like, if, if you're if you're that far down the 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 pecking order of your firearms right. that you're carrying, you're you're not gonna shoot a thousand rounds out of a wheel gun. Yeah, and, you're not Jerry Mikulik. Yeah, you're not Jerry Mikulik. You know, or Wyatt Earp, or yeah. anything, you know, you know you're, you're just not gonna be doing that much work with a wheel gun. Yeah, and if you are, you're not gonna go through a thousand rounds. You won't live long enough. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just you know, statistics tell us that, that you know if you shoot a thousand rounds through your rifle in gunfights and you never catch a bullet that's saying something right you know and and you know and it's one of those things so i'm not poo-pooing and, and i think we should have uh a, a surplus of ammunition um you know but i would rather have more rounds for my main go-to mm -hmm. primary yep. weapon whatever you want to whatever you want to call it yep um you know, and, and I think that's that's one of the the big flaws that I see in a lot of um, preppers' um, viewpoints is they have too many calibers. Too yes. many. Yes. I got my five five six gun, and then I got my three oh eight, and then of course I got a Mosin. So you know, I need some ammo for that. And I got an AK got, back there or an SKS, right. and 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 that's where you start to end up with this hodgepodge of like, dude, you do have like three thousand rounds, but yeah. you got about two hundred. Yeah, of any one caliber. Of any one caliber. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's one of those things where I, I see it so often. I'm like, God, this guy's like storing like seven different kinds of, mm -hmm. of ammo. Yep. And we're not even talking like, oh, you know, self-defense or hollow point, you know, nine mil You're just rounds. talking calibers. Just calibers. Yeah. And then you break that down. He's like, I got three boxes of this and eight boxes of that. And I'm like, dude, you're never going to have that thing zeroed. No. Ever. No. Um, you know, and, and so I, I try to tell people all the time, like, I mean, say what you want about it. Five five six is two two three. It's 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 the American cartridge. It really is the. American it just cartridge. is. The alt six used to be the American cartridge. Right now it's the five five six. It's the five five six, and and you know, and if we're talking about a end end of the world situation, if you're gonna stumble across any ammo. It's probably going to be five, five, six, five, or nine five, millimeter. Six. Right, and and that's a, a lot of the guys. Like I'm a diehard 1911 fan. I love 1911s, and, and I have a few, not as many nowadays after losing a bunch. But um, I carry a Glock 19, nine yeah. millimeter, and and I just was doing a live the other night, and I had a guy say, you know, something about stopping power. I watched, you know, cops shoot these dudes a dozen times, and they don't go down. And I'm like, well, shot placement's a real thing, so that means accuracy yeah. under pressure, um, but more BBs. You know, that's how I look at it. I love yeah. my 1911, but seven rounds, man, versus, you know, I can put a 21-round mag in that Glock 19 that I carry. Right. So I'd rather do that. Yeah. Um, I just don't want to be the first guy that runs out of ammo. When I, if I have to ever get in a gun, and God forbid, I don't want to, but uh, I pray it never happens, but I don't want to be the first one that ever runs out of ammo. Yeah. That's my fear. Um, and I standardized on 9mm and 5.56 for the same reason. Every law enforcement agency uses it. The military uses it. 
it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. Yeah. And which is also why I carry Glocks because there just are so many of them out there. You know, if I need to pick up parts and stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I, it, for those that know me, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Glock fan. I have nothing yeah. against them. I just, I prefer a Smith and Wesson yeah. um, over it. I've shot Smiths for, I don't know, a, a long time. And, and I'm kind of in that ecosystem. I mean, I have probably I have 30 mags, 40 mags for my M and P's. It's what I carry every day. It's if, if you ever see me in a class, that's what'll be in my belt. Yeah, it's just what I, it's, it's what I run. And, and it's one of those things. So, but if someone asks me like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting a full size pistol. First time, first time buyers. I'm like, do go get a, go get a lock. Yeah. It's there. And, and I'm not saying it's better. It's like, because bro, you're going to be able to walk into any gun shop yep. and find a mag for that thing. Find a holster. You can go to Walmart sites. and buy. Right. Buy find sites. Yeah. You walk into, I, I, I would say 75% of gun shops in America will not have sights or a holster for an MNP nine. Yeah, seventy-five. Or, or you, you want to get more exotic if you're carrying a Sig or, or something like that. Right. Or even I mean, a three twenty is is probably the second most uh, convenient gun other than a Glock yeah, right now. Right now, you yeah. know, and and it's just it's one of those things. I, I love the MMP. Uh, I just ordered another one that that I'm going to be doing some stuff to. But when people ask me, I'm like, dude, just go get a Glock. It's so much easier for, but but I don't have to live in that world. I have right. my own shot. I can get whatever. Yeah, you I can want. get your parts, and you know, um, well, and you have the experiential frame of reference. That's right. what you settled on. That's what works for you. Like I hate this the MPs. I'm not a fan of them at all. Yeah. Um, mainly because I hold a grudge against Smith and Wesson, but um, but the Glocks are start. They're you know I used to call them Tupperware guns, and I was very anti Glock for a long time um, until I bought one. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I get it. This thing's stupid simple. Like, yeah. And, and so, you know, and I think the biggest thing that it comes with is, is access to magazines and, you know, and that's, I, I think probably the number two biggest thing that I see, um, you get these preppers that are like, Hey, I have like 5,000 rounds of ammo. I like got how 10. many, how many mags? Do I you got have? 10 mags, 10 mags, five yeah. mags. Yeah. Like one in the gun, three in my belt or two in my belt. And that's all three I need. in my chest rig. You know, yeah. And that's it. No, mags are consumable. You know, the other side of that is, you know, we're not the Marine Corps or the Army. We don't have a logistics right. train chain or train. Right. So, there's magazine no retention. Yeah, there's no drops. This isn't, you know, we're not Call of Duty where we we do the cool guy flipping our throw our mags off out of out of shot. You know, um, we have to retain those things. So, a dump pouch on a battle yeah. belt is is absolutely necessary, not only for mag retention but for if say something did happen, you got in a gunfight and you're going to go up there and police that area real quick. You don't want to be there long. You want to be able to run in there and just pick everything up that's worth picking, and you're throwing it in dump pouches, and then you get the hell out of there. Yeah. You don't want to hang out after something like that happens. Um, so having your, your kit set up right, but, but like you're saying, magazines are consumable. You know, if you're carrying an AR and, a, and a, just say a Glock 17, you know, spare parts. I, I, nobody yeah. carries spare parts, I, I don't think. Um, I carry on my chest rig a full bolt carrier, lubed, rolled up in a Ziploc bag in my plate in my right. chest rig so that if I have a malfunction, it's easier just to open that rifle real quick, pull that bolt carry out, put a new yeah. one in and get right back. Break to an work. extractor. Yeah. Just, just don't yeah. deal with it now. You know, I'll deal with this later. Um, but also like you just said, if you break an extractor, who's, who's got spare extractors, you know, um, firing pins, um, any of the clips, pins, yep. stuff like springs, springs for your rifles. You know, you, you open up your, you're in the field and you crack your AR to do some maintenance on it and you don't pay attention, that detent goes ding. Yeah. Now you got a fancy club. Yeah. That's really awkward to swing. So you better have spare parts. Yeah. You know, and I just don't think most people focus on that enough. No, and, and I think that's the I think that's one of the hardest parts of, of prepping. Um, there's the sexy part of it. 
Everybody loves the sexy the part. The sexy part. Oh, man. We love to go out and buy stuff. Big, shiny. Big, big huge machetes. Yeah, machete. Uh, big, huge machetes. But yeah. our pocket knife is as dull as a butter knife. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's not sexy. No. Um, and, and the parts kits and and spare mags and, and things like that, they're not sexy. No. So I'd rather just go buy another AR or I'd rather go buy yep. another Witcher digit to, uh, to put on said AR. You know, instead of of what's truly going to be needed in a long term situation, where I hey I can't go to Bass Pro Shop or to my local gun shop and and pick things up. Yep. Um, you know, people forget firearms are machines, right? And machines wear out and break. And these are, and these are machines that have explosions that go off in them. constantly, constantly. Yeah. So you know, spare part, I, and I can't stress it enough. That's why I keep saying it. Spare parts, folks, um, is a big deal. You know, even if you just buy like a lower parts kit and an upper parts kit, or several of them, keep them around, so that when things break, you have the ability to fix it. Yeah. You know, because you know we're looking at you know we're we're technically in a recession now, two quarters of negative growth recession. So things aren't going to improve before the end of the year. Right. You know, so now's the time to get anything that you think you may need. And if you're sitting on, like John said, you've got, you know, eight ARs in your safe and 3,000 rounds of ammo, but you've got, you know, 11 magazines uh, and no spare parts, you need to reprioritize, you know, work on your ammo and work on your spare parts and get some more magazines because um, they wear out and break too. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, so you got to stock up stuff. It's just like stocking food, prepping for anything else. You got to be able to feed that weapon. Right. Right. Know? Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's the, that's, I think that's the part about it. It's the constantly trying to reevaluate honestly mm -hmm. where you are. Yep. Um, and being honest with yourself is the hard thing. That's the hard part. You know, because we all want to be like, you know what I really need. Yeah. Like we're always trying to tell ourselves. Yeah. We, we, we have two devils. They both sit on both shovels. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And they just go, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And you're like, I knew it was right. Yeah. Yep. I knew it was right. You definitely need that thermal optic to put on that AR. You know, but yeah, it'd be cool to have, but if you ain't got enough magazines and ammo to right. feed it, you're pissing in the wind and wasting your money. Yeah. You know, what other things do you see in, in the, the firearms prepping realm that you, you want to help people with? I think people hang too much crap on their rifles. I mean, we see that all the time, you know, people watch videos and stuff and like you were talking about, they'll have an optic and they'll have a 45 candid red dot on it. And, and, you know, and then they're gonna have a light and they're gonna have a, grip and a bipod and they're just hanging so much stuff off of these things again i can say when i see that i can look at that rifle and go well, that's a dude that hasn't carried that very far yeah guns are heavy yeah and and especially if you're wearing a ruck you're wearing uh battle rattle of whatever variety you, you partake in uh, all that weight adds up and and a lot of people i think when they start thinking about this stuff like all right i got my ruck built and here's my kit they don't never put these two things on at the same well, as time. long as you compartmentalize it Stays a little late. Yeah, we, we, but that's the point. Right. Put all of that on and go for a walk. Yeah. You know, yeah, my ruck weighs 40 pounds. It's good to go. Well, you're forgetting about the other 50 pounds that you're putting on with it and yeah. weapons and mags and ammo and water and everything else that you got to carry. Water, which everybody forgets. Most people's bags are dry. Yeah. And they're not calculating that eight pounds a gallon in there, you know. Um, so, and again, back to that experiential frame of reference, you've got to do this stuff to know. Right. And that's the biggest thing. Tell people, go take a training class. You know, there's a lot of great instructors out there. 
I don't care who you take training from, but take a training class. Um, get out in the field and do the things, and, and you'll learn a lot. And, and you don't have to worry about being embarrassed because everybody around you is going to be embarrassed. We're all going to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. Um, I've made mistakes in training. I've stepped up on a line, had mags fall out of my guns. You know, fire the first round, a mag falls out. You, you feel like an ass. You're yep. standing there like, oh, and everybody's kind of laughing at you. But they're not laughing too hard because every one of them is like, That's man, right. I, I got to go up next. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so no one laughs too hard at you. <laughs> yeah, it's all fun and games until an instructor pulls out uh, a buzzard. Oh, the shot timer? When a shot timer goes off, you poop your pants. Every time. Carl Erickson, my good buddy, tactical rifleman Carl Erickson, we were in a class with him. Mel was with me. She goes out and trains, too. She gets on the line does a thing. And one of the students get up there, and it was a time thing. And it was, I think it was from just draw uh, first round in the A zone. And you were looking for 1.5 seconds. That's where he was trying to get you. Or I think 2.5 seconds. 1.5 is the Green Bray standard. So he, he, gives, he adds a second for civilians. Yeah. So anyway... Um, he comes up, he's got a shot timer, he's like, shooter ready? They give him, yep. So he hits the button, you know, and then the beep goes off. And as soon as the beep went off, this guy just fell apart that was standing up there. Like, just fell yeah. apart. I think he had like a five-second yeah. time to get this round off. And uh, Carl, you know, he, he, he kind of laughs. And he's like, you're doing so good. You're doing so good right up to that beep. That's right. Because <laughs> right. then that pressure hits you, yeah. you know. Um, and that's just a beep. Yeah. You know. That's all it is. Yeah, that, it's just a beep. And That's all uh, it is, you know, and it, it comes to from from the training side. You, you've got to get out there and do it. But you can do this at home. You can practice your draw in front of a mirror, you know, just in front of a mirror. Get that get that dialed in yeah. so that you're doing the exact same thing. Yeah, dry practice nice every stuff. time, you know, and, and follow through when you're doing this at home. Make sure your weapon's clear. All right. But follow through with pulling the trigger because that's the part most people forget. And if you're training um, to present your weapon, but you're not pulling the trigger, you will default to these things. And people don't understand, too, that, you know, when we say train how you fight and fight how you train, your follow-through, if you're drawing your weapon and doing a presentation, your follow-through is to pull that trigger. So do that. Reset your slide, holster your weapon, and then do your draw again and click. You know, put a snap cap in if you're worried about your gun, but um, but practice, practice, yeah. practice. Yeah, and, and, you know, getting out there and training, I think, is extremely important. Um, you know, I try to do it as, as often as my schedule allows me. Um, I actually, I actually schedule at least one class, if not two classes, um, every quarter. And then I just hope I can make it when that yeah, time, time comes around. Comes. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to Tennessee for a class. Uh, going to Jaegers? Yeah. Going to Jaegers to take a green line tactical, uh, DMR class. Oh, green line. So, yeah. Oh, you're going to see, um, going to see uncle Don, uncle Don uh, tell him I said, so, hey. so yeah, but you know, it's one of those things where, um, always trying to get better and trying to improve, you know, and, and I think, I think the biggest or one of the biggest points that you can take is, is practice the amount of gear that you buy you can keep buying it it's not going to make you any better nope. until you get out there and train and well, practice and, and what you know when you go out there and train with the instructors with these guys that are that have you know they've got the bona fides to do this yeah. right not just some dude that says he can teach you how to shoot a pistol but these guys that have been there done that and got the t-shirts kind of thing is you're going to find where you're deficient yeah that's what the training classes will show you then it's up to you to take that lesson all right i need to work on this and this and this and then go home and work on those things right you know um, going out in the range and doing the thing that you're really good at because you look super badass, you know, because you're yep. really high speed at doing this one thing. That's cool, but all you're, you're not you're not helping yourself. You're not you're not developing your skill set. Right. And and you got to work on the stuff you suck at if you want to get better. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. All right, let me ask you a few questions here. Yeah, man. Um, 
end of the world type scenario, mm -hmm. what are the three weapons you want in I'm gonna, hand? I'm going to take my, my AR, my 19, my Glock 17, and a uh, 1022 Ruger. I would say the same. Mm -hmm. I'd maybe go a ten. I'd maybe go a, a twenty-two bolt gun, just because I love, I love twenty-two bolt guns. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the reason I said that the quiet. Ruger ten twenty-two is it can be take down and, right. and stuff in a ruck. Yeah. That's the reason I picked that one. Yeah. But I, yeah, I've got several twenty-two bolt guns in the safe, and I don't have a ten twenty-two at the moment because mine burned in a fire. But. <laughs> yeah, Chris. Chris had an unfortunate uh, home fire <sighs> a while back, yeah. and and had a lot of his possessions in the area that his thirty-one guns and. Yeah. Yeah, it was my office and a uh, separate structure on my property. Yeah. But I lost 31 firearms, about 180,000 rounds of ammo. It sucked. It sucked hard. But we'll get there. Oh, yeah. We're, I'm building it back up. Yeah. He, yes, he's building it back up. Yeah. Uh, slowly but surely. I, I know there's a treasure box that I get to raid every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you went to the dentist, if you're good, you got to go to the treasure box. Yeah, and that's right. Out. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I know there's this, this cool treasure box. Yeah. And... If, if you had to, all right, let's go fast fire here. Mm -hmm. Favorite caliber? Four. Just favorite caliber. Just 45 caliber. is my favorite caliber. Yeah? 45 is my favorite caliber. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't carry it or shoot it. I mean, I shoot it. I do shoot it, but I don't carry it. But that's, I'm one of those old school 45 fans, no, man. you're just old. I mean, well. I love how you old people put school behind that. <laughs> you're just old. <laughs> I'm not as old as I look. <laughs> Or act. <laughs> Oy! Favorite favorite manufacturer in the firearms industry? Out of all of them. Damn, that's a tough one. Um, I don't ask easy questions. This isn't Oprah. This isn't Oprah. Um, I, would, I would probably say uh, Mutiny Arms out of Odessa, Florida. Okay. They build a damn nice AR. That's I mean, Shane does tight work. Everything is too spec. Nothing's yeah. half-assed. And if you have a problem, he will fix it. So... All right. He's a good dude. And he's one of my, right now, manufacturer-wise, he's one of my favorites. Should all ARs be Cerakoted black? No. What's your favorite color? Depends on the terrain you're in. Oh, my gosh. Just pick a color. OD green for me. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, that is one thing that gets me all the time. There's a lot of, like, a lot of YouTubers and stuff, they live out west. Mm -hmm. I mean, I lived out west. I like it out so there. FDE, everything's so everything's FDE. FDE. Mm -hmm. And then you see these guys, like, oh, I got an FDE. I'm like, you live in the forest. Yeah. Well, there ain't I, nothing tan in the state of yeah. in the, the southeast. Well, and the worst thing though is to have one that's just black. Right. Uh, oh, I think tan stands out more in the yeah. than than black even. Yeah. You know? Down here in the, uh, in the green swamp. So. I mean, I I, I rattle can a lot of stuff just yeah. because. And and it, it's crazy because guys like you were saying earlier spend so much money on their guns. Yeah. And then they're they're appalled at the idea of taking a can of Rust-Oleum to that yeah. thing. You know, that's the beautiful thing about about rattle canning one is if you wear the finish off. You just put more on just it. Just put more on it. You know? Just add, a, add another coat. Add another coat. That's it. So Hit the high spots and keep going. It's kind of like grandma's makeup. You just add another <laughs> coat. <laughs> add some more spackle. <laughs> so, all right. We're going to wrap things up here, Chris. Tell everybody where they can get your books, where they can find you. Yeah, you can get the books on Amazon, obviously. Um, they're in print, ebook, and audio, all available there. Look up uh, A American, because uh, Penguin Books would not put Angry American on the front of a book. Yeah. So I had to abbreviate it. So you can hit that up. And then you can find me on social media in all the normal places under Angry American, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I have a bunch of Facebook pages. Um, 
And uh, yeah, there's a website to angryamerican.com where you can order stuff, swag, books, things like that. So yeah, and I, and I highly suggest you guys go follow him on on uh, Facebook. Um, you know, he's always putting out interesting posts about interesting topics. Yeah, and, and we do uh, lives once a week too. Yeah, he does a lot of lives, and you know, Chris is one of those guys that's uh, uh, very black and white. He'll he'll say it the way he he thinks it. Um, yeah. But you know, in today's day and age, with the way that news is uh, portrayed, yeah, uh, nowadays, uh, not spoken but portrayed, portrayed. Um, you know, Chris, Chris tries to, I say, go off the beaten path, path and find information um, yeah. to to try to get a different perspective of what's actually happening. And and there's times where, you know, there's the there's what happened, there's the truth, and then there's the, the truth about what happened. Exactly. Um, and I spent a lot of time looking at alternative sources for information. You know, yeah. MSM, we know mainstream media today, we cannot trust. Like right. you just, they're pundits, is all they are. They're, right. they're portraying the news, not giving you the news. Um, and so I look to try to verify things through three points. If I can make verify something three ways, then all right, I'll take this, this is, this is more legit. And, and I just I let people know what I'm finding and what I'm seeing, you know. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to find the truth these days. Right. They work hard to, to make sure you can. So, so, yeah, so make sure you follow them everywhere. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you subscribe. Hit that like button, everything. You know what to do. Just That's do it. it below. Do the and, things. Uh, we appreciate all y'all, and we will see you guys next episode. Be good. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Alpha Life. I appreciate you listening. And if you've gotten to this point, make sure that you hit that like and subscribe button on the video or on our podcast. It really helps us be able to get our message out. And it really shows us that you're ready for more episodes. And make sure that you add a comment below. Put in things, that, uh, topics you would like to see us cover or people that you would like to see us interview. And we'll try to get around to those. From John Faulkner and the rest of the crew, I appreciate you listening to us and have a great day.